All right, all those who are kindergarten through fifth grade, if you guys make your way up to the front, slowly and carefully, <laughs> and then all those who are three, four, and five-year-olds, if you make your way to the back, uh, there are teachers who are going to be waiting for you. I, I wanted to remind you as well, uh, if you're a, a, a visitor or first time here today, and also those who've been here a long time, don't forget the stickers. When you check your children in, you should have something, a, a, we'll call it a claim form, so you can pick up your children. And so uh, I know some of you, well, you're here all the time. We might have new teachers, but we want to be in the practice of that because of safety is going to be important for us. And so especially this day and age, uh, we want to, to be uh, practicing that. So uh, don't, please don't forget that. Before, before we dive into the passage that we have this morning, I wanted to, to just, I've been wanting to say this each Sunday, so I actually wrote it down, didn't even have to see it because I've been forgetting this all the time. There's Bibles in each of the pews located all around you. Uh, if you do not have a Bible, we just invite you to take that home with you. We want you to have, uh, have the scriptures. It's in the ESV, the English Standard Version, and it's the one that I, I will be preaching out of, and so... Uh, if you don't have one, you're welcome to take that with you. And with that said, let's pray, okay? Father in heaven, we praise you and thank you for this opportunity we have right now uh, before us to open your word. Lord, to, to read it and, and to understand its content, not just to, to read it, but to understand its contents, uh, to see the amazing things that you're doing here at the beginnings of the church. And Lord, uh, challenge us with that, Lord, uh, in asking what should we be doing, what's important to us. Uh, Father, we pray that, that your spirit is working upon our hearts, your word is working upon us, that uh, we are uh, becoming even more so uh, your people uh, and the things that we learn. And, and Lord, how we are loving you more and more every day through these things, Lord. Help it to be our pursuit and help today to be a blessing to us as we look at your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we're actually in Acts chapter 3. We're, we're going into that uh, series, uh, Taking Root. Uh, so walking through the book of Acts, which is all about the very beginnings of the church, which is so important. Um, I, what, what happened when we went through the, the, the second chapter of Acts, we saw it begin with just an amazing act of, of you know, the Galileans speaking in tongues. And, and almost the same, same kind of thing is happening in chapter 3. Matter of fact, in chapter 2, verse 43, 2, verse 43, the scripture says this. Well, and this is, this is in the beginnings of the church. Let me set this up. For, if you haven't been with us, I'm diving in a little quick. But let me tell you that in, in chapter 1, what we see is 200, no, excuse me, 120 believers that are gathering together. They're seeing Jesus uh, ascend, and he says, wait in Jerusalem. They waited, and then, then on that day of Pentecost, uh, that, the, the amazing uh, speaking in different languages, the Galileans speaking in different languages, and, and which drew the attention of people. And so they came together, and then Peter was able to preach that very first sermon. The conclusion of that, it was 3,000 120 were now gathering or, or followers of Christ, you know, those who, who received Christ that day. And they were, they were being devoted to the apostles' teaching, to, to fellowship, uh, you know, coming together, 
uh, they were breaking bread together and praying. And then in verse 43, this was also a part of what was happening around them. Verse 43 says, And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. So that, that, that uh, uh, wonderful, miraculous power continued to work through the apostles, it says in verse 43. And so we say, well, what did that look like? What did that look like? Chapter 3. <laughs> Chapter 3. So in the first 10 verses, we see uh, more of that act of God's intervening or, or, or coming in and, and doing the miraculous through these apostles, Peter and John. Uh, in, in the first 10 verses, instead of reading, uh, let me just tell you what happened. Peter and John are, are going to the temple to pray. And it's about the, it says it's like the ninth hour, which is like three o'clock in the afternoon. And, and it's, it's interesting that they continue to, to carry on some of the very traditions that they were doing before. But they're going to the temple to pray. And as they enter through the gate, called the beautiful gate, the entrance to that temple area, uh, there's a lame man uh, sitting there. must have been a, a continuous thing for him because people recognize him. He's, he's sitting there and he's, he's, hey, buddy, you got some change, that kind of thing, you know. Can you help a guy out? And I, I don't think it's those exact words. That's, that's in my own mind what happens when you're asking for change, okay? So, uh, uh, and, th and then the response from uh, Peter and John is this. You say, well, hey, hey, silver and gold, we don't, we don't have that. But what we do have, we're going to give to you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the scripture says that his, his feet became whole and his ankles became strong. And, and Peter reached over, took him by the hand. And, and what I think is fun, read this you know, later on, but instead of just rising up, he, he, it said he, he leaped. He, he leaped to his feet and, and then began walking with him into the, into the place of prayer. But it says that he was walking and leaping and praising God. What, what, what a wonderful way to enter worship, right? Y'all walked in beautifully, but yeah, sometime just try that. Walking, leaping, praising God. Maybe Eric will be more pumped up and ready to go. So anyway, walking and leaping and praising God, that was the end result. Uh, and, and of course, what I said, the same thing that happened in chapter 2. People were just amazed what's going on. They were astounded. Their attention was drawn okay, had, had their attention. The same thing happened in those 10 verses. And the very last part before we begin our passage today, it says, they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This is a guy that they had been recognizing, the sitting at that same gate day after day asking for change. That was how he, he earned a living was asking, begging at the gate. But this guy is now walking and leaping and praising God. What a, what a way to begin a service, right? Anyway, so what we're going to read today is Peter, again, has the same opportunity. With everybody's attention on Peter about this wonderful, that would, what happened, tell us what's going on, and Peter has his opportunity then to preach, to, to, to declare this message. So listen carefully. Here's what Peter said. We're going to go begin at verse 13 and go through verse 21 in this passage. Verse 13. He said, The God of Abraham, 
the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided, uh, when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murder to be gr uh, granted to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. By his name, by faith in his name, that's Jesus, right? By his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. Uh, earlier he said, this is not from us. This is not from our, our holiness or our piety. This is from Jesus is how he begins by saying it. And not only that, but this Jesus who you know who he is. He's the one that you were saying, Gee, you know, we want Barabbas. We don't want Jesus. Barabbas, deliver us to his Barabbas and crucify Jesus. Verse 17. Verse 17 uh, Peter says, and now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also you, uh, your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, repent, therefore, and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time of restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. I want to focus on this section of Scripture. We might dab a little bit more in what's remaining, but right now our focus is here. Peter has the opportunity again to declare this gospel message. The gospel message, and, and, and obviously here's what I'd like to pass on to you, that this gospel message we've seen in chapter 2 and again chapter 3, it needs repeating. Guess who the repeaters are? <laughs> You're full of people in here sitting in the pews are to repeat this gospel message. One of the great, or, or should I say, the greatest purpose of the church is to spread the message of Jesus. Great message, right? We are responsible to spread this good news of God and what, he, what God has done through Jesus Christ. So this morning, I want to focus upon that. And I, I want to focus more on this, the fact that, that there's some things that we could learn from Peter and John about taking this message uh, to those who do not know Jesus. You ready for that? I want to glean some things that, that Peter and John are doing that I think is, is part of what we ought to be doing or, or even make a part of our strategy the, the first point would be this, whenever possible, team up. Uh, matter of fact, probably a better way to even say that, now that I look at you all, is we ought to do this together. This, this idea of evangelizing or telling others about who Jesus is, we ought to do it together. They, they did it all throughout Acts uh, in twos. I mean, Peter and John went to the temple to pray. And, and I'll just say, do you think they had more in mind than just praying? I have this idea that, that 
their purpose in going had something to do with spreading the gospel message. And they were ready and prepared to preach. How are we going to get their attention? And oh, there's a layman. What a great opportunity. And, and, and so their, their whole means was to pray, but, but it was really to take the gospel message, uh, continue to taking that gospel message that they started on that day of Pentecost. Uh, there was Peter and John who, who, who went, as you look through the book of Acts, Barnabas and Paul, Paul and Silas, Barnabas and, Ma, uh, and, and Mark. Often we hear the apostles gathering together. Uh, guys like Luke and Timothy are added to Paul later on. Uh, there's always uh, groups going out and traveling, taking the message of Christ. Can we adopt that, do you think? Jesus, Jesus actually, that was part of his strategy when he was teaching the apostles. Uh, it was in Mark 6. 7 through 13, where Jesus sends out the 12 apostles. And here's what verse 7 says. Jesus sent them out two by two. Hey, guys, team up. Team up, and then I'm going to send you out to go declare that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I'm going to go out and tell everybody about this. There was other instructions along with that, but, but there it was. He, he told them, or you know, Jesus was, was teaching them, and, and he applied it uh, you know, within those three years with the 12. Six months prior to his crucifixion, it happened in, in uh, Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 23. Jesus sent out 72 and here's, here's verse 1, what it said. The Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him two by two. He divided them up as well. They didn't go out individually. They, they were teaming up together. I, I, I don't know whether we've really been good at emphasizing how we do this evangelism together. We've, done, we've been doing some things together. Uh, matter of fact, I, I think about what we just did recently with seven other churches which was phenomenal for the community to see us working together to take the gospel message uh, to, to those who don't know Jesus. That was, that was wonderful. But, but here in, in our strategy, thinking about how can we do this together, uh, there, there's wisdom in working together. You know that? Solomon, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, has a series of sayings in here that, that talks about the benefit of, of being together and working together. Matter of fact, the, the benefit of, of being fruitful or being productive when we go out. Uh, Solomon said, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. Also, uh, there's help when, when there's needed. You know, there's, there's help and assistance we have right there. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. It really is just wisdom he's expressing. There's strength when we're together. Uh, Though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. I, I, I know in this, if I were to say, man, if ever there's like a big task in front of us, it's always to do, better to do it together, right? But, but I'm a dad, and I know what it was like trying to bring my boys along to help. And, you know, I, so I, I was going to do the good dad thing. Hey, come along and help. And, and so uh, here we are working together. Guess what dads usually do? Do you know what dads usually do? Get out of the way. We're, we're not doing this, okay? And, and I, because I could get it done so much quicker if I do it myself, right? 
And, and so, man, I don't, I don't think the church needs that kind of mentality at all. And I don't think it is helpful. It might be good in that one task to get it done, but if you're able to teach your son or someone who comes alongside of you, if you're able to teach him and make it a benefit, boy, he's learning more and more. The next time it's going to be a benefit. And you're going to see in the long run how it's going to work. If that would work in the church, maybe if I bring someone alongside of me and, and maybe they're scared as all get out, but, but, or, or maybe I'm that person who's scared and, and I'm learning from the person I'm with. There, there's some kind of a benefit that, that maybe later on we just continue working that way. What, what kind of teams can we put together? I think about this. What, what, it, within our strategy, uh, we think about you know places we go is like our neighborhoods. How do we reach our neighborhood, or or our workplace, or schools, or maybe maybe the places where we work out, or or maybe there's even a certain event that's coming up in the community, a parade, or or you know the the Freedom Fest. How, you know what if we got three or four of us together? We start saying, well, you know, what is it that we could do in this that that maybe we could we could share the gospel. We we start thinking in that way, uh, maybe. Maybe looking, well, who's in my neighborhood? Is there some, is there, there's some folks here that are in the same neighborhood? You know, what, what could we do in, in joining together and begin maybe just simply by praying for the neighborhood? And then, well, what if we had a block party or something? You see how we could start thinking of things in order for us ultimately to begin sharing the gospel with others? It might be someone who's not from the church. Maybe they're from that Flint Hills church or Legacy Church, these wonderful churches that support and, and speak the same message we do. Hey, it's about Jesus, right? And, and maybe there's someone else from another congregation in your, in your neighborhood, and you could get together with them and say, hey, what do we do to reach our neighborhood? And that's okay. Because <laughs> we all had the same purpose and, and the direction to reach this world around us. I love some things that we've been doing. Yeah, I, I, I remember there, there's things of supporting and working towards teachers, loving teachers. Is that opening uh, the door and, and, and maybe uh, giving us opportunity to reach people in the neighborhood? Matter of fact, in your bulletin today, I, I wanted to point this out. Matthew said, emphasize this. I said, I wanted, to, I wanted to use it as part. You know, this idea, why is this in our bulletin? Support Eisenhower Elementary. It's our school just down the street here. Why, why is this? It's about a bingo night and prizes. Read that because they're gathering prizes for something. What are we doing? That's not what the church is for. There's an underlying purpose for that. We, we, want to, we want to minister and, and do what we can in, in supporting an elementary school. Why? So we might find opportunities to share Jesus. Does that make sense? Does that make sense why we'd come alongside of that or, or praying or lunching with high schoolers? That's also happened. Why would we want to do that? Because we want to share Jesus. We want to share Jesus. Now, part of this evangelism and things we could do together is praying together. Praying together. Uh, identifying some people that we have contact with. Who else is in contact with? Let's pray together in order for us to be, at least be able to, to share the gospel message with, with, with people in the community who don't know Jesus. Uh, there, there's a strategy part of that. And you know, we look at this passage again and we think, well, what, what good is prayer going to do? What, what was happening in both 
you know, and I think it's important to bring this out, but in, in the day of Pentecost, man, the miraculous work of the Holy Spirit and speaking, uh, speaking other languages, those Galileans, remember, there was attention drawn to Peter on that day. And again, Peter and John, and there was a man healed, and he was, he was causing quite a commotion. And, and people were drawn and said, what's going on? And their attention was drawn. Would you think it's okay? God, uh, however you want to do it, would you interrupt? Would, would you come in and do that miraculous something that'll, that'll catch the attention of, of these people? It might be you loving them that might catch their attention, might open a door, it might be something, something you see that, man, here's an opportunity to, to help them out or, or, or something like that. Or uh, something that will cause them to, man, they have a question and they might just come to you. Or you might have that great opportunity to just say, man, do you know who Jesus is? Do, do you understand why he came and how amazing God's love is? You see, uh, I, I believe God is, is, oh, man, if anyone wants the saved, or the lost to be saved, God's right there and he wants to use us. I believe prayer is, is beginning to open the door to make that happen. So it goes from that then to action. How do we put that into action? There's, man, I would love for us just to get together and begin to strategize certain areas, places within the school. Students, those of you who are students who know and love Jesus, how are you going to reach other students? Those, those who don't know Jesus. And that, man, it is about that working together. That's the beginning. Uh, the second part uh, that, that I want to sh- share with you is, is just that. It's sharing Jesus, right? The way I put it down is share what God has done through Jesus. That's what Peter's doing. Uh, Peter is, is sharing what God has done through Jesus. In, in both the sermons, chapter 2 and chapter 3, the subject, the topic is Jesus, make no doubt. I mean, it's very easy to see that. Well, what is Peter talking about each time? Jesus, right? No doubt about that. Uh, It is interesting to look here, and I think it's an important point to make, is he is speaking to the Jews. That's why in 13 he says, hey, uh, it is the God of Abraham, God of uh, Jacob, and and Isaac and Jacob, the God of Isaac and Jacob, uh, your fathers that brought about this servant Jesus. So he is identifying with the Jews. He said, because, hey, listen, these Jews knew God. He's Jehovah. He's, he's Yahweh. He is our God. Very exclusive, right? The God of, of the Jews. So they knew God. So what Peter's great purpose in these two messages is, is to uh, absolutely connect God with Jesus. God sent Jesus. Matter of fact, you go to chapter 2, what was his message about? Well, hey, God proved uh, Jesus through all the miracles he did. Oh, man, he's from God, right? And through his miracles, and, and God sent Jesus or, or handed him over to them, and they killed him. But then God raised him from the dead. Is there any question that, that Jesus is from God? And, and now he's seated at the right hand of, of, of God himself. That's Woo, there's a, man, that was, that was a, a, a very connecting point that these people needed to know, that Jesus came from God. And again, the same thing happens in, in chapter 3. How does he do it here? It, he identifies him. He, he calls him uh, that servant 
the servant that was spoken, he does it twice. He does it in what we just read, verse 13. He says, uh, after, after the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he says, uh, he glorified his servant, Jesus. That absolutely identifies Isaiah 15, 52 and 53. 52, beginning verse 13, through all of 53. His servant, his suffering servant in those chapters. They knew that. It also happens again in verse 26, the very last uh, verse of this chapter 3. He said, God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first. Sent him to the Jews first. So he identifies him as a servant. That's, that's another way he's connecting him. Because they knew a servant or God's servant is coming. He also, well, he also identifies that servant. Uh, in, in, in what he says, and I'll read it again, he calls him the holy and righteous one, and then he calls him the author, author of life, and he does it in this context. But you denied the holy and righteous one, that's Jesus, that servant, and asked for a murder to be granted to you. These are the actions they had to remember. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are all witnesses. Okay, this, this idea that he is holy and righteous, how important is that? Within the context of that Isaiah 52 and 53, he refers to him as that lamb, that sacrificial lamb. They knew at that time that whatever is being sacrificed had to be without blemish, had to be perfect. Guess what? Jesus came and lived that perfect life. He was holy and righteous. And the fact that he is the author of life, you, you cried out, hey, release the murderer, uh, but let's kill the author of life. That wasn't, you know, he, Peter absolutely identifies their ignorance in this. If they really knew him to be the author of life. What does it mean, author of life? We think back, you know, John chapter 1, that Jesus was there in the beginning. He was a part of creation. He was a part of, of us coming into being, creating us. It was part of us, you know, being made in God's image. But, but also that idea of author, author of life was really proven and, and solidified in the fact that he rose, he conquered death. He rose to life, eternal life. Jesus said, remember 14.6, John 14.6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He, he, pro he proved it with his resurrection, right? He proved it woohoo last week. We do a woohoo again this week. He raised Jesus. He is the life. So this, this, is, this is the message that he is giving to them. This, again, connecting God, their Yahweh, Jehovah, with Jesus who came, and they knew him. And, and when, it, when they brought him together, oh, what you know, next thing to do is to re repent. I, I want to also bring up in verse 22, he also identifies him as the coming prophet. Let me read for you to uh, uh, verse 22. Where Moses said, the Lord will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. That was a prophecy again out of Deuteronomy chapter 18. It, it was that place where he said, okay, so what these Jews were anticipating is there's a servant coming. Oh, he's going to be a suffering servant. He's going to take away our iniquities. And there's also going to be this prophet who comes, one like Moses. And that, that's, that's Jesus. 
That's identifying Jesus. And he came. The idea of being a prophet, uh, he, he said, you know, when he comes, this is the one you listen to. Man, always, all through the, out, out the Old Testament, listen to the prophets. They were giving you direction of what God wanted and laid out his will before them. And guess what? When Jesus came greater than any other prophet, as, as Hebrews says, and, and when, when uh, Jesus came, he, definitely, we want to listen to him. Listen to him. What is it? Uh, now, now when, when we take this to the Gentiles, though, is there a different message that we present to, to those who, who were not raised in you know, knowing Yahweh or, or Jehovah or, or the God of the Old Testament? How, how do we preach? I do think that we need to begin by you know, talking about God. I do believe there's that place that, yes, God is. He created. He is sovereign. And guess what? He's holy and righteous. And there's a problem because we're sinful and wicked and we need forgiveness. And guess what? God loves his creation incredibly. There, there, then we make that wonderful connection with the fact that Jesus was sent into this world. Matter of fact, he's the greatest evidence for us that God exists he is the greatest evidence that we know today because of Jesus, his coming into this world, living, speaking, healing, uh, dying upon the cross and being raised from the dead. And we're welcomed into that. We get to cha- share that with people. Now, there's, there's people among us who, who have a belief in God. They might just believe in God, but they have no idea of anything about God because of the Scriptures. Then there's the atheist who absolutely no way there is no God. You talk to them a little different. You kind of challenge them with the idea that God exists. Or to the agnostic who said, man, at least introducing them to the Scriptures and saying, you might want to check this out and, and, and share that message with others. Through Jesus comes refreshing. I, I was really attracted to this verse 20. And I know I'm, I'm kind of scrambling it, but, but uh, again, this is something that we share with those in this world. You see, our brokenness, the sinfulness, is something that we're all familiar with. Uh, and, and, and the people outside this church, uh, you know, those, those who are lost, really have no idea that, that the world, the troubling things of this world is actually because of our own sinfulness. It's because of the sinfulness of humanity. And that's part of what we, what we share with him. And then, then it comes in, you know, when we receive Christ, we receive Christ, what, why God sent him to us, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. What's this time, what, what is this refreshing that, that comes in, in part, I think we receive some of that when we receive Christ. And the refreshing is when we know that our sins are covered or, or washed away or, or removed. There's that place of refreshing when that shame and that sinfulness just released from that. But I, I don't think we know the refreshing. Matter of fact, listen to what it says in 21. Uh, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time of restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. All things. Jesus, in these last days, continues to work. He continues to work. So, the, so in our lives, Christ comes. We are forgiven of our sinfulness. That's a great place 
That's refreshing to whoever comes and understands. That's why we worship. There's a refreshing that we've all received through Jesus. But his work's not done, right? There's a reason we pray as Jesus taught us, you know, may your kingdom come, may your will will be done, because it is God's uh, desire and his movement to restore all things, to restore his kingdom, completed, finished. When Jesus returns, that's the day of Total, complete refreshing. This one, man, even our bodies, the, the, the flesh that we, we wrestle with, we toil with, is going to be removed. We're going to receive new bodies, an opportunity to worship and celebrate uh, in, in that time when, when Jesus comes to get us. That's good news. Looking forward to some refreshing in these days. Uh, you know, I even see more of the, the shootings that take place. Are you looking forward to that just absolutely being ended? It, it works, and I think we have an opportunity, even in this life now, if people, more people came to know who Jesus is. I, I, I will tell you, I think this is a prime time. With the, the uglier the world gets, the more refreshing Jesus is going to be, and, and even to, to share that message with others. There's people in this world that need to know Jesus. There's people in Junction City that need to know Jesus, in Chapman, in, in, in Milford, in Wakefield, in Manhattan, all around us. There are people who need to know Jesus, and we're responsible. We're responsible <laughs> to take that message and to tell others about Jesus. Finally, there, there is this call for us to, to call them to respond. You know, Peter in one place, they had to ask, hey, what do we need to do? And then Peter said, well, you need to repent and be baptized. Here he says, uh, he just goes out. He says, hey, repent, therefore. He told him right away, you need to repent, therefore. Remember what that repentance is. You know, all of us are facing and living a life according to our own desires, our own wants, our own flesh. And we're living according to the world. Repentance is, I'm no longer going to live that way. I'm turning my back on my sinfulness, those things that, that my shame, and I'm going to live a life according to the righteousness. I'm going to live a life like Jesus. That's what repentance is. It, it, is, a, it is really a life choice that, and you know, it doesn't mean that we do everything. We still have to deal with, contend with this body and, 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 and with our flesh. And, they, and, and so, hey, I'm living a life of repentance. It, it kind of continues with me in finding other things that I have to repent from. But my eyes are focused upon the one who's going to complete it. He's going to finish his work in me and in you as well, right? Isn't that what we're anticipating? So we want to lead them to repentance or to a warning. We want to lead them to repentance or a warning. Verse 19, again, he says, Repent, therefore, and turn again that your sins may be blotted out required. We're, we're to turn things around. Verse 26, 26 said, because of Jesus, he's going to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. That's our identity, you know. As we gather together, we're just a bunch of sinners. That's, that's our identity. We're people who don't deserve what God's given, and yet he's given it to us through Christ, and so we are sinners who have found forgiveness and a new identity we belong to him we're connected to him through jesus christ 
Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good news. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Peter. Absolutely. Or there needs to be this warning. Remember that Jesus is that prophet, and he says, listen to him. You need to choose to listen to him. Verse 23 brings out this warning. He says, and it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the, from the people. Those who choose not to listen to what Jesus brought, those gospels, that message, are going to be destroyed. We know that Jesus is the only means of salvation. We brought that time before you time and time again. So in part of our message, it is to share that message of Jesus. You know, I, I do want to say that it's important to say that it is not our responsibility to make them uh, choose Jesus. It is our responsibility to share the message. It, 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 we, we aren't in the business of twisting arms and manipulating. We're in the business of just, let me tell you about Jesus. And guess what? God who works through his spirit is going to bring people to repentance. But they got to hear the message. they got to hear the message. So we could, we could drop our shoulders a little bit, and it's not our responsibility uh, to, to guide someone and tell someone and twist their arm enough till it hurts, and they say, well, as soon as you say Jesus, then I'm going to let it go. That's not for us. It absolutely is to share the message, and, and God, through his wonderful power, is going to work upon their hearts to turn, but we have to be responsible. The gospel message needs repeating, and we're the repeaters. Let me repeat those things. As whenever possible, we need to team up. We need to share what God has done through Jesus. Absolutely connecting. You know, God who created and made things, uh, you know, wonderful in this world. It, it's his power. He is holy and righteous. And he loves a bunch of his people who are sinners and broken and separated from him. And he loves us because we know that through Jesus and that connection there. We need to lead people to that repentance or a warning. I want to let you know, you know, what, what does the community around us think of the church? What, what do we ex even exist for? You know, we are not here to build buildings. That's not our grand purpose, to build buildings. We're not here uh, for children's programs. And we're not here to direct morality. That's not our great purpose. And we're not here for Sunday morning worship. We don't exist so we could just do this. But all those things are part of our grand purpose of telling the world about Jesus. Whatever we do, well, you know, how, how are we functioning to tell the world around us about Jesus? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you. We thank you for this day. We praise you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that we have the opportunity to read this passage, to see Peter and, and, and to listen to his words as he expresses that to, to the people uh, as they're being added to the church. And it's added through this message of Jesus Christ. Lord, strengthen us as a church. Help us, Father, in our, 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 as we think through and, and strategize, just, just, Lord, how are we going to reach the people around us? Maybe we as individuals need to think about our neighborhood, our workplace, where we're going to school. Uh, Father, in all those, those places when we're together, 
Help us, Lord, to locate those, those other people that, that uh, might be involved in maybe some clubs or some other uh, activities where, where we might have that opportunity to open up and talk about Jesus in those places as well. I know the world is threatening, Lord, but, but we have you. Uh, you are our God. You are our strength. You are our boldness. Help us, Lord, to go forward and, and to declare that message and to, to, to declare it with compassion and love uh, for our community around us. God, you're good to us, and we love you and, and praise your name always. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.